Romans chapter 8, and let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day, for this time that you have given us to study your word. I pray that tonight we would have learned something, and Father, not only learn something, but apply something to our lives. And Father, I pray that as we go from this place, Father, that we would walk in your spirit, not fulfill the lust of our own flesh, but Father, we would live for you in each and every way of each and every day. And Father, we just pray that your will be accomplished. We love you. Thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take a little bit of time and think about that song we just sang, What a Day That Will Be. Uh, can, you, can you imagine that? What a day it's going to be. There's no heartache, no, no more clouds, no more sickness, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be, listen to this, when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, that one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and says, hey, let's go, and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Can you imagine what that day is going to look like? Can you, I, I don't think we can. We can try. It, it's fun to try. But I don't think our finite minds can even come close. Can you imagine what that day is going to feel like when Jesus does take you by the hand? And you go, wow, this is him. He's got the scars in his hands to prove it. Can you imagine how it's going to be? Most of us long for that day. We can't wait for that day. We long to meet our Savior, first of all. He's the first one I want to see. I have grandparents in heaven I want to see. I have people that I loved that went to this church that I want to see. But you know what? I want to see my Savior, first of all. We long to have a new body. How many of you are ready for that? <laughs> no more aches, no more pains, no more parting over there. We, we long to have a new body. We long to have no more pain. We long to have those things. We long to have no more night. Uh, it's all light there. We're, I'm excited about that. We long to have no more tears. And we long to be free of this wretched old world. <laughs> And be free at last. I was talking to some people recently uh, just how our world continues to get worse and worse and worse. And it's just mind-boggling, to be honest. And we look at it and we just go, there's coming a day when this world's going to pass away and we don't have to go through this anymore. We'll be free, truthfully free at last. If I was going to boil all of this down to one word, it would be this, hope. Hope. I have a blessed hope in the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm excited about that. But I want you to see here this evening in Romans chapter 8, in verse 18, a couple weeks ago, I want to thank Mr. Holmes for filling in for me again. He always does such a good job and uh, is a blessing that way. I appreciate that. Um, but last, two weeks ago, last time I was here, we talked in verse 18 and we kind of finished this. We talked about suffering. And how suffering is an important part. Before we get into verse 18, though, I want to ask one question just as review. What is the theme of Romans chapter 8? What is the theme of Romans chapter 8? I hear a whisper. Good. Supernatural work by a supernatural God. Keith, what did you say? Victory. Victorious Christian life. Living supernaturally. Living victoriously. We don't have to live defeated, okay? But verse 18 kind of like doesn't give me that feeling. Not in the first part. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I don't like suffering. 
Suffering's not fun, but we talked about the suffering and how it reveals God's glory in us and how it will glorify us. And notice again that this suffering for this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed, notice, in us. But notice verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now you're going to, I'm going to try to go slow, but you're going to have to try to keep up as well, all right? So this old, suffering, rotting flesh is in no way compared to the glorified body that we are going to have in heaven. Let me say that one more time. This old, rotting, dirty flesh that we have currently, and you, I'm fairly young, so it's, it's still pretty good, right? But this is nothing to be compared to the flesh, the glorified body that we are going to have in heaven someday. So the suffering that we're experiencing right now, the pain, the agony, the hurt, the emotional pain, all of those things, all of that stuff that we feel right now, we will not have that in heaven. It does not compare with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So because of that, what is there? Verse 19, there's an earnest expectation. So verse 19, there's an earnest expectation. How many of you are earnestly expecting the day when Jesus comes again? I, I am. I can't wait for that day. I remember when I was a kid, I, 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 like, just wait until I can drive. And then just wait till I get married. And then just wait till I have kids. And then just wait for this and just wait for that. And I understand those things. But are we earnestly expecting Jesus to come? There's an eager anticipation. If we know that this body of flesh is going to have, we're going to have a new glorified body, the glory is going to be revealed in us, should not that bring an earnest expectation? I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. There is a sitting on the edge of our chairs waiting for it to happen. Again, most of us are not living Christianity this way. We're, we're going along, and we know it's going to be someday, but we're not sitting on the edge of our chairs in anxious anticipation, waiting for that day when Jesus will call us home. We're not waiting for that. Oh, we know it will happen, but we're not earnestly expecting it. We are waiting, we ought to be waiting to be called away and changed from this vile body into a body that is like our perfect and glorious Savior Jesus Christ. I want to show you 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Notice this. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. You see, there's coming a day when we are going to have our new bodies and we're going to be like Jesus Christ. Why? Because notice, we are the sons of God. We're the sons of God. We're the children of God. Our bodies were first created in the image of God. First created. When Adam was created, God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So Adam was created in the image of God. Listen, perfect, pure, uh, unadulterated, spotless human flesh. We can't imagine that, can we? Even a baby, when it comes out of the womb, is still not perfect, is it? Oh, we say smooth as a baby's bottom and things like that. And oh, it smells so good. And all these lovely things about babies, but still they're not perfect because after 2,000 years of sin, sin has taken its toll on the body, on humankind. 
We haven't really had a choice in all of this matter either. Anybody born without sin? No, none of us. We've all been born in sin. In sin did my mother conceive me. All these things. We haven't really had a choice in the matter. It's the curse of sin in our lives. Look at verse 20 of Romans chapter 8. For the creature was made, look at this word again, subject. Subject to what? Subject to vanity. Subject to vanity. Not willingly. But by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. You see, the reality is this. The curse of sin was placed on all of us. The curse of sin was placed on all of us. Guess what? Newsflash, we're all sinners. Every one of us. We're all sinners. But notice the creature was made subject to what? To vanity. Do you know what your natural disposition is? Vanity. Vanity. I don't mean like standing in front of a mirror thinking you're awesome. That's not what I mean. I mean emptiness. Everything that you try to do in and of yourself is just worthless. The Bible says it this way in the book of Isaiah, all your righteousnesses are as filthy rags in God's sight. They're worthless. Listen, I don't want to tell you that. I want to tell you that what you did today was really good. Good job. All that stuff you did today that you helped that person and you, you did this business deal or you, you moved up the ladder or wh- whatever it may be, I want to tell you, hey, good job. But everything that we do in our flesh, our natural man tends to vanity. Everything we want to work toward is emptiness. Listen, if all I do is live my life to become a better person, that's emptiness. If all I do is to try to be the best pastor in Canada, emptiness. If all I try to do is climb the corporate ladder, emptiness. If all I try to do is become the best baseball player, emptiness. If all I try to do is become, you fill in the blank, if that's all I try to do, the the natural tendency is just to vanity. We're made subject to it. Not willingly, We we didn't choose that, Adam and Eve chose that. But here we are, our natural disposition is to vanity. In fact, Solomon says something about this, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Everything we try to do, in fact, in verse 14 of the same chapter, he says this, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, look at this, all is vanity and vexation of spirit, that which is crooked. Look at this, cannot be made straight. And that which is wanting cannot be numbered. Listen, you can try and 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 try and try and try and try. But guess what? It cannot. You cannot do that which is right. You cannot do that which is good. We are only tending to vanity. Not willingly, but by reason, you can see in verse 20 again, let's go back a couple slides here. But by reason of him who has subjected the same, the creature, in hope. Just because there is all vanity and everything that we tend toward is vanity doesn't mean that there is no hope. There is no hope. Give me just a second, Keith. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, but there is still hope. Every tendency, every work, every thought, every detail only leads to vanity. And we are subject to completely, completely doing nothing. 
But verse 21, I want you to see this. Because, here it is, the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Into what? Into the glorious liberty of, here it is again, the children, oh that was terrible, the children of God. So I want you to see this. One day, we are going to be delivered from this horrible bondage of corruption. No good, stinking, corrupt bodies. No good, stinking, corrupt world. No good, stinking, corrupt sin. And guess what? We are going to be given into or delivered into the glorious liberty that the children of God have. That's what we get to look forward to someday. It's so exciting. But I want you to jump back up in Romans chapter 8. You're there in verse 21. Jump back up to verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that what? That we are the children of God. And if children, then what? Heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him. For what purpose? That we may be also glorified together. So this is just a continuation of verses 15 to 17. There is a creation that God has created. He initially created it in His image. But sin has taken its toll. And it looks bad. It looks bleak. It's not fun. But listen, we have something great to be looking forward to. I believe this with all my heart. God created man in fellowship with Him. Perfect. Spotless. And God and man had fellowship, and guess what man always does? Man always messes it up. Guess what God's trying to do? God's trying to get us back into that relationship where we are perfect and spotless. And when he looks at us, he does not see sin. He sees his son. Perfect. God's trying for that. That's what he wants he wants to have a relationship with you, and he wants to be glorified together with you. You can see that again in verse 17, that we may be also glorified together. Now, how many of you want to be glorified right now? Anybody? Raise, let's get active here tonight, all right? Oh, raise your hand, okay? I, I want to be glorified right now. How many of you want to be free right now? Free from all the aches, free from all the pains. You just want it to happen right now. In fact, the sooner the better. Here's the reality. It's not just us who wants it. Notice this, all creation wants it. Look at verse 22. For we know that what? The whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Everything's hurting. Everything wants it. In our small group this week, we were talking about how nature and the heavens declare the glory of God and how nature really shows and it just continues on over and over and over and over again. And the, the reality is that's true. But here the Bible is telling us the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Everything in the earth, everything in creation is groaning. And not just groaning, but travailing. That's in pain together right now. 
You ever wonder why that is? You ever wonder why we have pain? Do you ever wonder why we groan? Do you ever wonder why we have all these things that go on in our lives? Do you ever wonder why? I do. I wonder why all the time. I want to show you Revelation chapter 4. I know I'm going fast. I'm trying to get to a point here. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11 says this, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For thou hast, what? Created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Okay, so the Lord created all things. And why were they created? Not for our benefit, not for our pleasure, but for his pleasure. Okay, now let me ask you this question. Creation was created to glorify God? Does that make sense to you guys? You agree with that? Now you're like, oh, I don't know if I should answer this. Now let me ask this question. Does all creation glorify God? No? Anybody want to say yes? There are parts of creation that do glorify God. Again, Psalms tells us the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Absolutely beautiful to look up in the night sky. So yes, there are parts of creation, but sin has corrupted everything. How many of you have looked up in the sky and seen satellites? Interesting, eh? How man just happens to get its fingers into everybody's business. Now, I think they're interesting. I think they're cool. I think all that stuff's interesting. But sin has corrupted everything. The corruption is rampant. By the way, did you know that sin corrupts everything? Listen, sin corrupts the way that God intended things to be run. Let me illustrate. Our stomachs were designed to function a certain way. How many of you have ever eaten something that just didn't agree with your stomach? Right? I hate it. What happens? You groan and you're in pain. It's not a fun experience. And so we sit there and we don't like the way it feels. And here's the reality. The stomach's not working the way that it was intended to work. Everything's supposed to go down, not up. So something has gotten in the mix that causes something to not work properly. That's your physical human body. And thus, here in our world, the people in it, and all creation, guess what it's doing? It's groaning. Guess what? Every single one of us are in pain together. Why? I want to submit to you tonight that we are not working the way that God designed us to work. We are not doing what God designed us to do. And what is that? To glorify Him. Oh, do we try? Yes. Do we put our best effort in? Yes, but here our world is not working the way that we were designed to work. Our world does not glorify God in the way that it should every single moment of every single day. So guess what? The Bible says creation groans. 
and travaileth. And we as Christians, guess what? We're the same. Look at verse 23. And not only they, but what? Ourselves also. Which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, what? Grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our bodies. Even we as Christians experience the same pain. Even we as Christians experience that this, this earnestly expectation, we just, we're hurting, we just don't want to do this anymore. I'm frustrated. I've had people after people after people say, I'm so sick of sin. Christians, good Christians, sick of sin, sick of it. They're groaning, waiting for that adoption to it, to come to the redemption of our body, to take us away so that we can get this new body so we don't have to deal with sin anymore. And that's why we're earnestly expecting. Earnestly expecting this redemption of our bodies. We're earnestly awaiting the day when Jesus will call us home. We hope for it. We plead for it. And we should wait and hope in patience. Look at verse 24 and 25. For we are saved by hope. There's that word hope. But hope that is not seen is not hope, right? You understand that. If you can see it, you're not hoping for it. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. So here we sit, patiently, or not so patiently, waiting. Waiting for the day that Jesus will call us home, or we die first. Again, I've known many saints that have said, I'm just ready to go home. I'm ready. And the whole time, guess what? Just groaning, just travailing. The whole time just suffering for no good reason. Just being frustrated with everyday aches and pains of this sin-cursed life. And we just sit back and we just say, well, this is just how it's going to be. This is just how it's supposed to be. But I want to encourage you. You may feel old today physically. You may feel the aches and the pains of your physical body. But should you feel the aches and the pains of spiritual of your spiritual body? We will. But here's the, here's the kicker to me. Here's the encouragement. Look at verse 26. We have hope. Likewise, likewise, the Spirit also what? Helpeth what? Our infirmities. You know those spiritual aches and pains you have? That's what the Spirit's there for. Remember from the first part of this chapter, we sat down and we talked about the Spirit and His importance, His role in all of this. Listen, no, we don't have to sit here and just wallow in our aches and pains and our spiritual devastation and say, well, I guess this is just the way it's going to be. Until I get to heaven, I can't be sin-free. I'm just going to stay here and just wallow in my self-pity and roll around in the muck and the mire of this world. Listen, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. But notice, 
He explains why he does. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But notice, the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. Notice this, with what? Groanings which cannot be uttered. Creation groans. The creature groans. And the Spirit groans. There's a whole lot of groaning going on here tonight, isn't there? The Spirit is there to help us in our infirmities. The Spirit, get this, knows what we need. The Spirit knows in what ways we are erring. He knows what's wrong within us. And guess what He's doing? He's making intercession for us. Have you ever just sat and wondered, God, what in the world am I doing wrong? I've done it. I hate that. I hate being in that position where I'm just like, God, I know there's something wrong in my life, but I just don't know what it is. And then all of a sudden, smack. Guess what the Holy Spirit just did? The Holy Spirit just made intercession. He knows exactly where I err. He knows exactly what's wrong with me. And guess what? He's going to guide me into all truth. He's going to intercede for me. He's going to make me more like Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, the Bible says this, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man, which is in him, even so the things of God, notice this, knoweth no man. No man, but what? The Spirit of God. So here, we, here we're thinking, we're constantly wondering, okay, God, what do I do? What's the next step? Where do I go? Listen, you don't know. Because again, in our sinful state, we are altogether vanity. We're nothing. We can't do anything in of ourselves. We are just altogether vanity. We are completely indebted to vanity. Subject to it. So, no man knoweth the things of God save the Spirit of God. So when we don't know what we just ate spiritually, and there's this rumbling in our tumbly, in our spiritual, we're like, oh, I don't know if that was right. I don't know if I should have lashed out like I just did. I don't know if I should have said what I just said. I don't know if I should have done what I just did. I, I'm just not sure if what the, what the preacher's preaching is right. Listen, we intake and we, we're just not sure about it. The Spirit is there to make intercession for us. When we don't know why we are suffering, the Spirit is there to make intercession for us. When we don't know why we have messed up or how we have messed up, the Spirit is there to make intercession for us. And when you're just there and you don't even know what to ask, you don't even know how to pray, you don't even know the words to say, guess what? The Spirit is there to make intercession for us. If you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down, I like it, it rhymes. When we don't know what we need, the Spirit is there to intercede. When we don't know what we need, the Spirit is there 
to intercede. Have you ever been convicted? Anybody enjoy that? I hate it. And it, it's kind of been in those positions where you're like, oh, I never thought about that before. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, wait a second. You are not living the way that you are intended to live. Let's get that right. Let's get that taken care of. Let's get that out of your system and let's get everything working properly again. This is the Spirit. Listen, so we, we are all together vanity. We have changed the way that God designed us to live and we're living in the way that we want, but the Holy Spirit is saying, hold on a second. Let me help. Let me help with this. Let me show you the way in which you should go. And then you can see in verse 27. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints. Notice this, according to the will of God. You ever ask God for something that he didn't give you? Frustrating. (laughs) Come on, God, you're supposed to do what I ask you to do. Oh, no, he's not. You see, the Spirit makes intercession for you according to the will of God. I wish I could remember it, but I read it in studying for this. I should have written it down. I wasn't planning on using it. But you know what? Sometimes when we pray for something, it's actually not a good thing. I'll try to give you the best rendition of it I can. There's a man who lived on the border of China and Mongolia. And he was a farmer and he had a really, really nice horse. One day that horse broke loose and ran across the the border to Mongolia. And his neighbors came by and said, oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. And the man said, is that really too bad? A few days later, that horse came back with another horse, a stallion. And the guy's like, oh, that's great. That's wonderful. That's, That's awesome. And he says, is it really awesome? A few days later, his man's son was trying to ride that stallion, trying to break that horse. And the horse kicked him off, and the boy broke his leg. Oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. The man says, is it really too bad? Because just a few weeks after that, Mongolia and China went to war. China came across and conscripted every able-bodied man to go to war. Well, guess what? That man's son could not go to war because his leg was broken. Come to find out, almost everybody was killed in that war. You see, sometimes what we think is good for us is not good for us, and what we think is bad for us is not bad for us. The reality is what we pray for oftentimes is not the will of God. And so the Spirit is making intercession for us, saying, hold on a second, let's work through this. Let me show you how to align yourself with God's will. You're over here doing your own thing. Let's bring that thing over to truth. And let's line ourselves up with that. And let's keep moving forward, because it's according to the will of God. This is not our will. This is God's will. But He does does this according to the will of God. Why? 
because we are God's children. Jump back up to verse 14. For as many as are, watch this, led by the Spirit of God, what are they? They are the sons of God. You see, God is not leading just anybody. He's leading people to do His will, to do what He designed them to do. And the Spirit is making intercession, saying, listen, don't do it that way. Let's do it this way. Let's come together and do it the right way. Let's, let's do it in the power of God. And here we as Christians are, we're groaning. Oh, I just can't wait for that day when, when Jesus comes back again. Listen, you don't have to wait. You know when the Spirit convicts you, you can make a change. You know when the Spirit brings something to your attention from reading the Word of God, you can make a change? Listen, I can't, I can't take away your physical suffering. That's the old man. We're going to die someday. But spiritually, can I encourage you? Listen, don't live in vanity. Don't live in emptiness. Don't live over there. Get over here with God and say, listen, all right, God, I'm going to walk in the Spirit, and I am not going to fulfill the lust of my flesh. Because I'm walking with him. I'm every single day. He is making intercession for me. He's correcting me. He's changing me. He's molding me. He's shaping me into the image of his dear son. Jump all the way down. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to. Verse 29. For whom he did foreknow. He also did what? Predestinate to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You know what God wants for you? He wants you to be just like Jesus. He wants you to be conformed to the image of his son. You know how that happens? Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. You say, Pastor Jones, what's the purpose of all this information? Here it is. Our natural man is not in tune with God. It's not. The flesh and the spirit are at enmity with one another. We, in our natural state, are not properly working in God's order with God's will. We know that someday we will be. But what do we do about it now? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to rely on the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor Jones, how do I do that? I'm talking about listening to him. I'm talking about in the small things of life. I'm talking about every breath you breathe thinking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about every inclination. You listen to every sensitive word, that still, small voice. I can't describe him to you, but you know you know. The Spirit is the one who knows where we are erring, and He's guiding you into all truths. He's helping us with our infirmities. He's interceding for us. I want you to consider David. One of the most interesting stories about David that I find is when he has his first opportunity to kill Saul. He's there. 
All of the buddies are there saying, go, do it. This is your opportunity to take over the kingdom. God has given you the kingdom. After all, he's been anointed king. But the reality is David knew that this was not the way to get it done. This was not God's intended plan. So what did David do? David goes and cuts the hem of Saul's garment. Yeah. And the next phrase, the Bible says this, and David's heart smote him. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about when you do something that, that's ah, no big deal. And your heart just smites you. This is not, this is not a prick. This was like he got lambasted. Just for cutting the hem of Saul's garment? What's the big deal, man? No, no. That's how sensitive he was to the Holy Spirit of God. See, how do you get to that point? I want to show you Psalm 139 and verse 23. He says this. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know what my thoughts and do what? And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me, how? In the way everlasting. This is it. You see, most of us are not willing to say these words. We're not willing for the Spirit to help our infirmities. You know what we say? I got it. We're like a cranky old person who doesn't want help when 911 shows up. <laughs> Mr. Train's laughing. That's what we're like. I got this. I don't, I don't need your help. And the Spirit's saying, let me help you. Let me show you where you're wrong. Let me show you what I can do to help you. Just let me work. And we're saying, I got it. Today, tonight, I want you to say this in prayer. Search me, O oh God. Why? Because I know that I, in my flesh, I am dwelleth no good thing. I am not right with you. I need you to show me the places where I don't see, the places that I've fallen short. I need you to show me. And I believe this. He won't show you all at once. Because that would be far too overwhelming. But he will show you step by step by step. The steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast out. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Listen. Let me ask you this question. What are you hoping in tonight? Are you hoping in your own strength to accomplish what you want to accomplish to become more like Christ in your own strength and power? Or are you trusting in the Spirit to lead you and to guide you at the right place, at the right time to do the right thing? And I encourage you, if your Spirit's groaning tonight, the Spirit's already probably poking it, saying, here's what it is. Let's get that out. Maybe it's time you turned to the Spirit and allowed Him to lead you 
Quit trying to do it on your own. If you're groaning tonight, if you're suffering through something, maybe God has something for you. Maybe God's trying to strip a little bit more of you away in that molding process so that you can be just a little bit more like him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time that you've given us. Father, I pray that as we go away from this time, Father, that we would be changed. Oh, not because of some words that were said, but Father, because the Holy Spirit just took over again. He is our comforter, our guide, our help. Person who will be there to draw us into conformity with you. Father, if we're erring in some way, I pray that you would show us that tonight, myself included. Help us to keep short counts with you. Father, if there's one person that hears this message that does not know you as personal Savior, they don't even have the Spirit of God living in them, I pray that tonight would be the night. They would reach out, take your hand. Father, that you would lift them up through your shed blood. Blood that was shed for every single person on the face of this planet that ever lived, that ever will live. Father, I pray that you would work in such a great way in our lives tonight. We give you the strength, the honor, and the glory for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.